You're listening to Payers, Providers, and Patients, Oh My. I'm Pyle Nanavati, and on today's episode, we are sharing a conversation between Curl's Jody Daniel and several guests to discuss the current landscape around decentralized clinical trials, which are also known as DCTs. The conversation is led by Jody Daniel and Kara Tenenbaum. We also have three guests on today's episode, starting with Ben Moscovich from Amazon Web Services, Devin Adams from the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, and Noah Goodson, PhD from Thread Research. We are going to include more information about these guests in the show notes, so please check it out. And thank you, everyone. Welcome to the conversation. Jody. I'll pass it to you to start it off. Great. Thank you, Pyle. During today's episode, we'll be talking about decentralized clinical trials. In recent years, the healthcare industry has seen a movement toward expanding the clinical trial enterprise and increasing patient access to DCTs and virtual trials. While academic medical centers have long been the site for clinical trials, where patients will come in person for all aspects of that trial, advancements in innovative digital health technologies are disrupting the status quo and allowing patients to participate in decentralized clinical trials and virtual trials. So to get us started, Noah, can you please explain what are DCTs, what are different types of virtual trials, and how do they compare to traditional brick-and-mortar clinical trials? Jody, thanks so much for having me on today. Uh, delighted to have this uh, really, really fun conversation. Um, when we when we think about, I, I mean, your question is right. When we think about DCTs, we're really talking about a bunch of different things together. I, I kind of think about it like a bucket term that includes a wide range of both technologies and services that have largely existed across the last 20 years. And what we're doing with these different technology and services is that we're starting to put them together into novel trial designs. And for me, that, that creates a spectrum of studies where we're taking some level of research that would previously only occur at a research site in person, you know, at a major medical hospital or other research site, and we're saying some of that can be done somewhere else. So that could be uh, entering of data, signing e-consents, uh, conducting telehealth visits, um, com uh, completing other activities in a trial, or it could be really serious actual visits occurring other places through mobile health or alternative clinics or getting your blood drawn at a more local location. And because there's all these different technologies and services that together fall under the sort of DCT banner, it creates a spectrum of trials. There's at the very sort of closest end to traditional trial designs is what I would call digitally enabled trials, which is, hey, most of the visits occur on site, but some activities uh, occur offsite. Maybe uh, you're completing surveys as a participant on your phone offsite, but the rest of it you're coming to the, to the office for. And there's hybrid studies where some visits occur on site and some occur elsewhere, whether that's through telehealth, home health nurses, other local or alternative clinics, something like that. The vast majority of studies out there today are really either sort of digitally enabled or hybrid DCTs. And then you have the studies that are suitable for what we call full DCT. And that means the entire study or the entire activities of the study occur remotely, where the participant never comes to a traditional research site, but completes everything either on their phone, mobile device, home health nurse, however it works out for that specific study. 
ultimately, the collection of things that fall under DCTs are all about how do we make studies more accessible and engaging to participants in the way that they live their modern life, wherever they are in the world. And Ben, do you have anything to add to Noah's answer? I agree with Noah. And thanks again to the Kroll team for organizing this call and all the great work you all are doing on this issue. When we think about decentralized clinical trials, it's as part of the context of modernizing the entire clinical trial uh, apparatus that we have in the country to better use advanced technologies that can expand access to trials for those patients that want to participate in clinical research and to modernize clinical trials to match how healthcare is generally evolving through the adoption of more digital health tools, through data sharing via electronic health records, and care being received in non-standard locations like the home and elsewhere. And so as we move towards greater adoption of decentralized clinical trials and hybrid trials, it's really under that broader context of modernizing the clinical trial apparatus. Thank you so much, both of you. So sponsors and investigators have been utilizing DCTs in some form and other virtual trial methods for years, but we're discussing this issue now because in recent years, the federal government has focused its attention on DCTs and clinical trial diversity. In addition, Kroll Health Solutions issued a white paper late last year that provides a background on DCTs and issues recommendations to federal agencies to enable widespread adoption of DCTs and virtual trials. I'm going to start with Devin. Can you please provide a brief overview of your organization and view on DCTs, how your organization currently utilizes or views DCTs and other types of virtual trial models? The American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, or ACS-CAN, advocates for evidence-based policies to reduce the cancer burden for everyone. We view clinical trials as an essential step in advancing potential new treatments that improve outcomes for people with cancer and give patients access to the latest innovations in care. We know that when eligible and offered, over half of all cancer patients participate in a cancer clinical trial. However, even when there is a trial available, non-medical costs such as transportation and lodging associated with trial enrollment can be a significant barrier to patient participation. For example, we know that there are few local trials available for the average patient. DCTs can really help to alleviate some of these logistical and cost barriers that are among the main driving patient factors for not participating in cancer clinical trials. And as such, ACHCAN continues to advocate for policies that enable greater use and access to DCTs. Great. Ben and Noah, can you provide your perspectives? So at AWS, our customers include diagnostic developers, drug manufacturers, academic medical centers, and many other organizations involved in clinical research. Across our customers, we regularly hear about the importance of modernizing the clinical trial ecosystem so that every patient that wants to participate in the trial or in research can have that opportunity. Some of the challenges that we've heard about include disparities in trial participants where the study sample and the typical population of patients that would take a treatment or undergo a particular healthcare service don't necessarily align. And those disparities between the study sample and the typical patient population 
can then hamper the generalizability of the results that are obtained through the trial. So for example, some studies have found that black patient enrollment in some studies could be as low as 3%. Other studies have found that the likelihood that white patients are enrolled in a study could be double or triple that of an African-American patient. There's also disparities by age. So for example, children with cancer are often enrolled in clinical trials. Uh, sometimes more than half of pediatric patients are enrolled in a trial, but for adults, that number can be as low as in the low single digits percentage-wise for study enrollment. And those kinds of disparities create challenges for establishing a learning healthcare system that ultimately lead to better standards of care. We're working with our customers to create an environment where any individual that wants to participate in a trial has that ability to do so and to reduce the friction for their participation in trials. Through cloud services and through policy that advances decentralized clinical trials, there are then opportunities to enable patient choice in their participation in clinical studies that would both support better outcomes for each individual and also, again, create a learning healthcare system. Thread is really aligned with the vision and mission of both of these organizations. And our stated goal is to make research more accessible for everyone everywhere. We want you to be able to participate in research no matter where you are. And we're doing that by particularly trying to solve the technology gap, the gap that exists for patient engagement and for data collection across the entirety of a clinical trial experience from first patient engagement, coming into a study, uh, becoming consented to that study, throughout the middle of the study where you're providing data, whether that's from electronic clinical outcomes assessments, through telehealth calls, through integrations with other service providers like home health, other devices for data collection and sensors, all the way through the end of the study and all the support that surrounds that. And our technology platform is aimed at solving this, allowing data to be collected so that when we have a design to make a trial decentralized, we can actually actualize that design and execute it with the appropriate supporting technology network. So our vision is really to make this access and diversity a reality through the technology it takes to support that and integrating that technology with all the different users that exist within a trial, users at research sites, users at different organizations, and of course, the key user, the participant themselves. Thank you. So I wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about what's really driving the focus on decentralized clinical trial and the interest that you all have expressed in decentralized clinical trials and virtual clinical trials. You know, we have seen expansion in decentralized clinical trials over time, uh, over recent time, particularly in part due to the COVID uh, pandemic, which drove a lot of uh, healthcare delivery in general uh, into a virtual environment, but also as a result of advancements in digital health technologies. As Noah had mentioned, many clinical trials are already using decentralized elements to capture data and to involve participants outside of traditional clinical sites. So I'd like to hear from, from you all about what else is driving this trend, and maybe I'll start with Ben. Um, Clearly, there are gaps that, that we've all sort of started touching on that traditional clinical trials present. Can you talk a little bit about how DCTs are addressing these gaps and any other benefits of DCTs? And then also, since we're talking about the benefits, any challenges that you see in the use of decentralized clinical trials? First off, DCTs help gather data faster so that 
uh, to get cures to patients quicker. So for example, clinical studies today, whether for chronic conditions or unmet needs, often require patients to enroll in trials where the patient is physically appearing at the site conducting the research. And as a result, many patients are unable to enroll in these studies because they're not located near or able to access the site leading the trial. Cancer patients, for example, often don't have a local trial site for their specific cancer near their home. Through decentralized trials, these patients can then participate in trials through data collection from their homes or a local site, and that reduces the barriers to these individuals enrolling in trials. It also enables patients to participate remotely so that they can democratize access to enrollment. And that, again, reduces disparities, as we talked about earlier, and access to novel therapies. DCTs can also reduce recruitment timelines and therefore expedite patient access to new therapies. And actually, Thread, which is an AWS customer, is an example of this, where Thread has a fully configurable cloud-based platform for running DCTs. And no, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that some of the estimates can support a 30% reduction in time and cost savings and support five times more inclusive enrollment in clinical trials uh, compared to industry benchmarks. Yeah, I mean, Ben, you're exactly right. We have a great use case just from this last year of a, a major pharmaceutical company who's conducting a clinical trial, a late phase clinical trial, and were recruiting participants at different locations. And when they were able to switch to using a more decentralized model of recruitment, there was this vast, I can't share the data, unfortunately, in this context, but there was a really startling uh, shift in the ability to recruit participants because suddenly people from everywhere were able to join in and this rare disease population was able to participate in the way they wanted to. And so, yeah, the data consistently support this idea that decentralized methodologies provide access to people who want to participate but aren't able to because of physical location. We've been discussing how healthcare companies and organizations are impacted by activities surrounding DCTs. Devin, are there benefits and challenges that DCTs present specifically for patients and cancer patients in particular? Sure. Thanks for the question, Kara. Through our Survivor Views program, ACSCAN hears directly from cancer survivors via surveys about their experiences and their perspectives on critical cancer-related issues. In one survey, we asked a series of questions related to telehealth, remote care technologies, and willingness to participate in cancer clinical trials. Our findings, which were published in JAMA Network Open, suggest that cancer clinical trials leveraging remote technology and decentralization tools to reduce patient time and travel burden associated with participation may increase the patient consent rate to trials. Specifically, we found that the majority of respondents reported an increased likelihood to enroll in cancer clinical trials that leverage a range of remote technologies such as wearable devices or telehealth and decentralization tools such as completing trial-related activities at a local facility if it reduced the time and travel burdens. So we believe that Increased access to DCTs can help to provide greater opportunities for patients to enroll, potentially allowing for a larger and more diverse cohort of trial participants. Because as you may know, inadequate enrollment can lead to trial failure or affect the interpretation of study results. And in terms of challenges, you certainly have to consider the digital divide that 
not all patients who want to participate in DCTs will have access to the tools that enable DCTs, such as high-speed internet or devices and digital health literacy and comfort with DCT tools. And lastly, in terms of DCTs that are fully remote, our research suggests that it's important for cancer patients and survivors to at least have the option for in-person visits. So I think that this is something that trial sponsors will need to consider when designing trials. That's really interesting, Devin. Thank you for explaining that to us. And I, I want to pick up on something you, you started touching on, which is you mentioned about mobile technologies and telehealth. And during our roundtable discussion on DCTs, we spoke about the role of digital health technologies in DCTs. It, clearly, there's an increased consumer use of mobile health apps and innovative digital health technologies. And we're seeing questions from consumers, from industry, and from government about regulation of such digital health technologies, particularly in this case when used during research investigations, as well as issues regarding use and disclosure of health data. As some of our listeners may know, in May of 2023, the FDA released guidance on DCTs and encouraged resource sponsors to include multiple sources of data collection in their data management plans and to focus on data collection integrity when designing DCTs. So I'm going to start with Ben here, but Devin and Noah, feel free to jump in if you wish afterward. Ben, can you talk a little bit more about the role that digital health technologies play in DCTs and what we're seeing in that regard? The FDA guidance was certainly an important step forward to accelerate uh, decentralized clinical trials. I'll talk about one aspect of the digital health tools that can be leveraged to support DCTs and clinical trial modernization as a whole, and that's the electronic health record, which is increasingly an important tool to support clinical care. And EHRs sit at that intersection of data collection by the clinician and the sharing of information among clinicians treating the same patient. And while in the past we've had challenges with interoperability of data among different systems, significant progress has been made in recent years, and there's an opportunity to build on that progress so that when patients would like to participate in clinical research, EHRs can be leveraged to identify trials where those patients are eligible and even potentially share data from that clinician to the principal investigator. In doing so, participation in clinical research and the identification of trials for those patients that would like to participate in trials can increasingly become a part of clinical care. That's really interesting, Ben. I think, you know, I'll just make a, a note that when the federal government was first starting to push for adoption of electronic health records, there was the hope and intention that EHRs could help advance research in general, but the, the ability to use EHRs as a tool for identifying clinical trials that may be suited for a particular patient, I think is a real potential game changer. We've talked about DCTs improving trial efficiencies, but they also have the potential to expand access to more diverse patient populations. As we've discussed, decentralized and virtual trials can increase the diversity of the enrolled population, especially those belonging to previously underrepresented groups. Where can people learn about DCTs and clinical trials generally? And then I want to talk a little bit about how these trials, the virtual and hybrid ones, advance health equity. So Devin, can I send it to you first? Sure, and thank you for that question. 
So there are a variety of ways that patients and their providers may learn about different clinical trials, including VCTs. We know that providers may have trials being conducted at the sites where they see patients, so that could definitely be a great starting place. As we know, patients often learn about trials from their provider. Also, clinicaltrials.gov, which is a registry of clinical trials run by the National Library of Medicine at the National Institutes of Health, which allows users to search using different filters to find specific types of trials. And in terms of cancer trials, the National Cancer Institute has a database of NCI-supported trials taking place in the U.S. and internationally. Finally, uh, there are individual groups and organizations who have more sophisticated trial matching programs that can connect patients to trials. I think as DCTs become more widely used, the stewards of these trial databases and matching services, in addition to those who write clinical trial protocols, will need to consider ways to make it easier for patients to find trials with decentralized components. And to your second question about uh, health equity and diversifying the clinical trial population, as you may know, cancer clinical trials currently do not reflect the diversity of the U.S. population diagnosed with cancer. And some groups are underrepresented, including certain racial and ethnic groups, older adults, rural residents, and those with limited incomes. Uh, going back to the study we conducted, we found that when respondents were asked about more traditional on-site clinical trials, willingness to participate in trials that require additional effort in terms of travel time, distance, varies by age and income with lower income earners and older respondents less likely to travel further or attend more frequent visits that are often associated with trial enrollment. So you can really see how this can create a disparity. Diversity in trials is so important because it, it advances both ethical and scientific goals of research, such as to ensure that there are broad applicability of trial results. DCTs really have the opportunity to strike at the heart of some of the main barriers to patient enrollment, particularly barriers faced among those currently underrepresented, such as having no local trial availability or additional costs associated with participating in a clinical trial. I agree with Devin. And one of the goals here isn't necessarily for patients to identify DCTs for which they are eligible. It's really how can we support patients that want to participate in clinical research to identify trials that they are eligible for and then participate in those trials. And that may often be the case where they can participate remotely or through some kind of decentralized or hybrid fashion. And by integrating DCTs further into the larger clinical trial enterprise and modernizing clinical trials as a whole gets us more toward that goal. It can also spur the faster development of new cures and diagnostics and other treatments. And that's because Increasingly, drug and device manufacturers are developing clinical trial diversity plans, including as a result of recent FDA guidance. And by creating a system where patients, regardless of their location, can participate in these kinds of studies if they so choose, it then accelerates recruitment timelines for the clinical studies. 
and gets these products to FDA review faster. And for those that are approved or clear, gets them to patients faster and therefore improving outcomes. Ben, I totally agree with what you're sharing because the reality is from a data collection and trial design perspective, we're still a long way from the majority of clinical trials being DCT. There's just stuff that has to happen in studies and especially cancer studies that needs to happen on site with a clinical team around you. What we're trying to do is we're trying to make it easier for the right per people to find a trial that works for them. So if you think about the way trials have gone in the last few years, as our medicine becomes more precise, so do our trials. So Ken Gates from uh, Tufts has published about this before. The inclusion-exclusion criteria, those are the things that say, I have to have this, but I can't have this in order to be in this study, have more than doubled in the last 10 years, and they continue to increase, which means that even if I find a study that's for my disease state, I might not be able to participate because maybe I had a uh, heart transplant or something in the, in the past that makes it harder for me to be in the study. So if I find a study that works for me, it's really, really important that then it's because of the schedule within that study. I can't, I don't have to say, no, I can't do it because I can't come in every two weeks. And so a lot of this is about making sure that if I do find a study that works for me and we find that perfect match, that we're then able to decrease the burden as much as is possible while protecting the integrity of the data in that study. And, and we know participants again and again show incredible resilience and dedication to the participation and co contribution to science. And so what we want to do is we want to say, we acknowledge that, we see that, let's make it as easy as possible for you to be able to do this so you can say yes when you want to contribute to science and sort of the future well-being of other people. So thank you for that, Noah. I think you just teed up exactly the place where I wanted to to go from here and sort of close out our discussion, which you mentioned that, you know, we still have a long way to go to see the use of decentralized clinical trials and some of the benefits that we are seeing emerge from the use of decentralized clinical trials, including convenience, more diverse participants, easier recruitment, improved development of cures. So I want to talk about what can we do to really see the use of DCTs as something that is much more commonplace where it's appropriate so that we can see some of those benefits and talk about the government's role here. So Policymakers have been recognizing the value that DCTs provide to clinical investigations and research, and we have seen some activity to advance the use of DCTs by different agencies and different parts of the government. So I know my old office, the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT, or ONC, has been issuing regulations related to interoperability and health data exchange and promoting the adoption and use of electronic health records, all of this which supports decentralized clinical trials. And our white paper has focused on policy levers and opportunities. But I'd love, Ben, for you to tell us a little bit more about what recent actions Congress and the administration has taken to advance DCTs and clinical trials in general. And then also, if you can give us some of your thoughts about what the government can do in addition to enable more widespread adoption of DCTs. At AWS, we're really excited about the growing interest in clinical trial modernization, including from members of Congress. Jody, as you mentioned, as part of the fiscal year 2023 government funding package, there was an interesting provision that instructed HHS ways that the department could accelerate DCTs and support greater clinical trial diversity. 
And this language was notable in that it didn't just focus on FDA or the Food and Drug Administration, where historically the interest in clinical trial reforms and modernization has been. Instead, Congress focused on all the agencies within HHS, including CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and ONC. And in so doing, Congress is essentially asking HHS to think creatively about how all the relevant agencies within the department can use their existing authorities to further accelerate clinical trial modernization, to support greater diversity, and to enable greater uh, decentralization uh, to fuel the benefits that we've talked about today. So the report, Jody and, and Kara, that you put together really uh, provides a roadmap to HHS on some of those creative approaches that different agencies can take to think bigger and take deeper strides in their roles uh, to further accelerate DCTs. So uh, sticking with ONC, as, as Jody, you mentioned it, um, they can look at their existing authorities around interoperability. Uh, for example, ONC has regulations on the data elements that need to be made accessible via standard uh, approaches for, for different reasons, including patient access and interoperability. Are there data elements that should be added to that set of existing data that would be needed as part of clinical research? And your report calls out that is one area for ONC to look. Another place for ONC to look is uh, a new policy called TEFGAR, the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement, which is essentially a technical approach and a data sharing approach where different organizations are agreeing to share data for different purposes uh, and enable data access for different purposes in a privacy protected and secure way. And so there are questions on the table about whether there are opportunities to incorporate research into that framework when patients are interested in participating in clinical trials. And those are uh, areas where the, the report that you all drafted calls out and areas where there's opportunities for different agencies to engage. On the uh, CMS front as well, are there opportunities for clinicians to have incentives to identify trials for which their patients are eligible so that it increasingly becomes part of the standard of care? And whether those trials are in-person or in some way decentralized or hybrid, those kinds of incentives for clinicians can further fuel patient participation in research when those patients are interested in participating in research. And if folks are interested in taking a look at the white paper, thank you for mentioning it, Ben, and, and highlighting some of the policy levers that we discussed, there should be a link to that white paper in the notes to this podcast. Noah, do you have anything to add? I would say for me, it's very basic. It's 10 years and $2 billion. That's the current timeline on average from bench to bedside. And I don't think that's acceptable for people out there who are sick. And technology and DCTs, this is just a subsection of what it takes to do that. All the work that Devin's doing, the work that AWS is doing, these are all big parts of this, but they're necessary parts if we're going to take 10 years and $2 billion and turn it into a smaller number at much smaller timeline. And I and the team over here at Thread are very committed to that mission to make sure that research is accessible for everyone everywhere. 
I do think policymakers uh, have a huge impact on this. And the good news is I, they're really participating, actually, across institutions in the government. There's lots of signals, whether that's from NIH or BARDA, uh, across the board, putting investment in evolving this infrastructure and ecosystem to make it supportive. We still have some ways to go. I think there's some real development on how we have innovative and flexible standards. For example, the evolution of digital endpoints is a big place where I think the innovation can move a lot faster than the standards are right now. Same thing for support around what sensors look like and endpoint modernization in general, I think is a really big area that we can, we can support that'll help us move faster uh, with better technologies. But I also think as these larger government agencies signal support for the sponsors who are willing to take risk, and use a more evolved model of clinical trials, that really, really helps them have the buy-in to say, yeah, we're going to take this gamble on our trial with our investors' money to try and do something innovative that we think is better for participants. And so the more that can happen from a government agency level, whether that's the FDA or other investment, I think the, the quicker it will accelerate the ability of the market to really serve these patients everywhere they are. I think we'll leave it on that last point. I'd like to thank Ben, Noah, and Devin for taking time to speak with us today. With that, I close this episode on DCTs. And as I mentioned earlier, please visit the CHS website to read the white paper and learn more about DCTs. Payers, Providers, and Patients Oh My is a podcast brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash healthcare podcast.